0: To another episode of the wisdom experience podcast we are on I made a mistake last week i I know we were on episode 11 but i i, I tweeted out the wrong i tweeted out 10 so the thing that messes me up is because we had these ones in the bank wasn't it but <laughs> I was sent out episode 10 but I had tweeted it out as episode 11 so but of course episode 11 just went out yesterday. So apologies for folks if I confused you, um, in the sense that it looks like we got two episodes 11. Um, so the one on death was episode 10, and the one on existentialism is episode 11. And now we're on episode 12, in which we're going to be talking about the subconscious spinal. Really, the question is, do we... Um, control our reality. So do we have the ability to create our own reality? Um, And I don't know where you sit at on this, Naomi, in terms of whether you believe that to be true. I mean, I've kind of grew up in the sense of, you know, in my personal development world and NLP and the coaching stuff and, you know, know, various other trainings that I've done um, in relationship to the mind. It's this concept that we have the ability to create our reality through the power of our subconscious mind. Um, But I want to question that. So I don't know, where where do we want to start? I've already asked a question, but I guess my question to you is, do you think that we, from your point of view, um, do we create our own reality? Yeah,
1: great question, Clay. I think that we... I think that we create some of our own reality or we create our own reality to an extent, but I do believe that that's within kind of the reality bubble of society. Uh, So you just mentioned, you know, things like NLP and our subconscious mind and you know, you kind of, you go on an NLP training as uh, I think you've done as well as as me, haven't you? And yeah, so I mean, I did mine, gosh, 15 years ago. Um, And it is all about kind of understanding the language that you're using and what you're really meaning by that language and what you really believe by the use of that language. Um, And then it's about kind of disassociating the things in your brain that you don't want to be thinking, believing or acting anymore. But the reality is we're still living in a society that I think has a lot of construct. And and I don't necessarily think that that's an issue. But what I do think is, yeah, I think there is probably a lot more control. So, mm, so yeah, to try and summarise that. I think that we can create our own reality within a broader reality that is outside of our control.
0: Okay, because I'm kind of on both sides of this question, I think, because in a sense, just by the fact that I'm assuming you're an individual and then everyone listening are individual people, your reality is... Not the same as my reality. Even if we're sitting in the room, same room, we have a different perspective on reality. And I think it was uh, John Green, and he said, it's one of his novels, Um, one, one of the themes out of it is that you can never really know another person. So as much as I can, you know, have conversations with you and talk and ask questions and you know ask deep or intimate questions. I'm only getting the version that you want me to see. I can never really know you without being you um in the same way that our realities are the same uh we could sit in the same room and look at the same object, watch the same movie, read the same book, but we're both bringing our previous experiences, our previous knowledge um to whatever we're interacting with in the present time. And that is giving us a perception. And that perception will never be the same as the person next to you. Even, and you've got two kids, I've got two kids, they grow up in the same household, same parents. And, you know, you like to think that you've, you know, that you treat them equally and you've given them the same you know, amount of love and experience and all that, but even they will have separate realities um, in relationship to the house and what it means to grow up there. So it'd be interesting, you know, years from now when your kids are thinking back on their childhood to really hear how different their childhoods were from each other uh, and what they, their experience of you and their dad, Um yeah. You know, when they get when they're like 40 or 50 looking back to think, what did they notice? So, yeah, so I think we have a reality that's based off of our own perceptions, and that's going to be made up of a bunch of things that have gone in. And this is where your construct bit comes in, as in, you know, there's a lot of people who are interested in shaping your reality for you. Um, you know, and it starts from even on, even before you are born. So you don't get to choose your parents, as they say. So whatever social, economic, political space your parents are, you just get born to that, whether you want to or not. So you're mm-hmm. already starting life out. Um, in the rea- like our you know you know we're not the same age, but we're you know we're close enough in age. Um, you know, we were born in different parts of the world, different countries, different you know ethnicities um and so your your view of the world started off different from my view of the world mm,
1: mm. yeah, you're absolutely right um and, and I think the other thing is also, and this may be a little too almost detailed for you but what is what do we mean by reality you know so do we mean the way we perceive things do we mean the way we um you know or or the the cars that we have or, or don't have or the size of houses or how we educate our children you know it's kind of that question of what do we mean by reality or do we mean in terms of you know our work how successful we are and I say that in inverted comments you know what do we mean by successful because the reality of what's successful to you may be different to me
0: so I think that comes back to your language thing and that was one of the things I did like about NLP um, which stands for neuro-linguistic programming um, is the huge you know the huge impact that language plays um, on us because it well, it, yeah, everything is coded through our language. Our experience of the world is coded through language. So language has a huge impact um, on our programming. <laughs> it's how we program ourselves is, is through language. Um, you know, the language that you hear around you, the language that you see and or read, um, you know, has an impact on you. And a lot of times that language hits at you at a less than conscious Um, spot. It hits at your less conscious mind, this language. You don't even, you're not aware of the effect that certain language has on you. And politicians take advantage of this all the time. Uh, Mm -hmm. Marketeers take advantage of this all the time because they know that the majority of people uh, aren't paying attention to the, they don't, they don't realize the effect that language has on them um they know they they feel something they have an emotional reaction to things and they'll just think it's cuz that's how they are that's how they were raised um you know they won't attribute it to the fact that you said a particular sentence in a particular way at a particular time one mm. a lot of people think well i'm way too smart to be manipulated in quotation marks that way mm. Um, so they won't even it won't even register that that's happening to them. Um, I was listening to Trump talking on something, uh, and he's he's almost a master at this. If you ever like listen to the things that he says, he actually never really says anything, <laughs> and he, yeah. and he, and this is true of lots of politicians. But the way that he positions things is easy for you to create your own sub-story based off of his non-story that he's just told, and the um, emotional impact that those words will have without you necessarily realizing that that's it. And I was watching him, and, and he'll just stop. He'll get it all out. Now it's in your head, it's like a virus. Who is it? it was um, William S. Burroughs said language is a virus, and Trump uses it language as a virus. He just puts it out there and says, like, all right, that's it, and he's done. It's infected your brain with this these thoughts, Um, and you're gonna have some reaction to that, and you're gonna do something. You're gonna have some thoughts. You're not gonna, you won't be able to resist having the thoughts. That's how powerful language is. I'll just throw it out there, infect you with my virus, (laughs) and it just goes to work. And all the things that you are unaware of, all the uh, constructs and programming that you are unaware of it, activate it without you even really necessarily realizing it. And I love this idea of, of I don't know if you've read any of the beat, like Jack Curac, uh Alan Ginsberg and uh, William S. Burroughs. He was probably more direct with, it. in fact, his direct quote of language is a virus, Um, And he was very famous for the cut-up technique because he was like language is a virus, and it almost doesn't matter the words that you put together; they'll have an effect. So he had this—he invented this um, literary way of writing novels, which was just a cut-up. So he would just take uh, any newspaper or magazine, cut it all, cut the words all up, throw them in the in the hat or on the floor, and just pick out and just put random things together. And all of his novels are written in this way, so they're hard to comprehend. because um, st- but that was his point: is it be- they mess with your brain because your brain is trying to make the what you learned in school make sense, and when it doesn't conform to that, then your brain's just getting fried. Um. It's fascinating stuff to read, at any rate. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's, hot, sense it. it's hard, uh, but it, because of this whole idea of language and the virus and then effects, and then it, it it fires off a bunch of processes that you may not be aware of if you don't do a lot of work on you know of being aware <laughs> um, and understanding that that's the forces that are at play.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's that's really, really interesting. What was the name? So you said um, uh, Burroughs, what was his first name?
0: William. William, William S. Burroughs. Burroughs,
1: yeah, William S. Burroughs. And Jack Kerouac. And did you say another one as well?
0: Uh, Alan Ginsberg.
1: Alan. Just writing that down because, mm. you know, I kind of I go away and. Uh, and normally get hold
0: of a bunch of stuff as a result of our yeah. conversations. Well, uh, Barrows is most direct with the language piece. Um, so he would, you know, from a point of view of um, the things that you string together actually really don't matter that much. So he would have done the cut-up, whereas Jack Kurak is probably more poetic and artistic mm-hmm. with the use of language. Um, so not in the same way. So if you read Naked Lunches... Um, Burroughs more famous uh book one because it got him in a lot of trouble but two mm-hmm. it was one that kind of brought the whole sort of um cut up technique that gave its I guess its most validity and as a literary piece of work but people like uh Kathy Acker I like her stuff and she's was a big influence by um William S. Burroughs, but she's another author more, I mean, she she died not a while ago from cancer, Um, but she's in recent, you know, she would have been around our ages, Mm. I suppose, in that kind of sense. Um, But yeah, so her stuff is all this language, cut up, cut up technique. Yeah. And and,
1: I mean, obviously I'm fascinated by language. I love language. And again, that, kind of prompts a variety of thoughts going on. But having just mentioned um do we well obviously in relation to do we create our own reality, so it is about how can we use language to create our reality would be a, a big question that I have. And I mean you said actually, you know, in terms of <clears throat> so you know William Burroughs was sort of using language to to kind of almost well to to, to sort of to break up the connections in the mind and 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 reconnect them which again is very much what we get from from NLP it is about understanding the influences that you've had when you're young and the the connections that that's made in your head and and when that's not helpful you know there has to be some kind of deep work I say in your head actually of course what I actually mean is is into your subconscious which comes back to what we were saying about your
0: subconscious mind. Yeah, and I would say that um, uh, NLP has helped to shed light on how you can use language to influence yourself and others, basically. Um, and I think from a maybe a Burroughs point of view, there isn't a direct correlation like that. It's like, it's to set you free from language is more what those guys were about. Um mm-hmm. to set you free from it and to make you your own independent sort of thinker in that instance. And but I you know, I, I find NLP quite a useful, you know, set of tools and techniques. And the, and the book that I read, it kind of sparked this question on. I was rereading Joseph Murphy's The Power of the Subconscious Mind. Um and this is directly, you know, you know, one of the most powerful self-help guides ever written. So, you know, it's just, this is firmly in the self-help um, literature, this, this is. And this is directly talking to the fact that um, the things that you focus on in terms of the mental pictures and movies that you could create in your head and the things you focus on influences um, your behavior, influences the way people react to you. Um, around you which is interesting and there's is, and is a great a- Robert Anton Williams' book um, Prometheus Rising um, he has a series of thought experiments in the beginning of the book and again he's another one of these folks that was about kind of wanting to wake people up from the establishment to realize how much you've been programmed how much, how much of a hold society has on your mind and how little you actually use your mind um, but Again, from his point of view, it was wake up. Dennis, this is Leary stuff again. So he was very much influenced by Timothy Leary and the whole sort of tune in, turn off, drop out, you know, aspect and LSD and all of that, which was, you know, okay, well, you've allowed the governments to control your mind, you know, let, get them out of your mind. Um, so what, one of his thoughts experiments that um, Anton Wilson has in his, that book Prometheus Rising is um, to, and he challenges you to do both things. So, one thought experiment is to whether you're, if you're conservative, he's like, you know, spend two weeks reading nothing but liberal literature. You know, give mm. yourself, you know, 21 days or so just to immerse yourself into it and see how that affects you. And um, he says, one another one of his experiments was to put yourself into a bad mood. And go to a party, put yourself in a good mood and go to a party. See the reaction of of the people around you just by how you place yourself um, uh, in that. So he encourages you to experiment with this using your language, using the subconscious. So experiment with it in the same way that it's used against you or to manipulate you or to influence you, you know, use it to your advantage so and you know back to answering our question of do you create your reality um you know i think robert and tom wilson and in that ilk would firmly say yes because it's going to be what you focus on you can free yourself from your captivity which is what they were mm-hmm. all about um, and then you're free to use your mind you are free to use your mind and the power of your mind in the way that you want to um Well, create your own reality. So, you know, if you want to be a happy person, is, you know, we spend, people spend loads of money going to therapy and on coaches and all sorts of things to be happy when actually happiness is instantaneous. It can happen in an instance. But there's so much deep programming that's going on that you may not be aware of. There's all these forces that you haven't been aware of that makes it hard f- for you, When the actuality it's all in your mind. It's just your brain. And then if, you, if you understood your own mind, and this is back to that Self-University book I'm and reading, and if you understood your own mind, so self-knowledge, one, you would understand how you're being controlled, manipulated, and the avenues for which that happens. Two, you'd be able to, you know, control your own self and in effect make what it is that you want to make happen or feel the way that you want to feel or be the way that you want to to be. Um, but we're quite we quite easily give up our authority and abdicate our responsibility um, for those things.
1: But, uh, yes, um, and I would imagine that for most people, we're easily giving up our authority and, and as you say, and abdicating our responsibility because, actually, that is how most of us have been brought up. Exactly. So, you know, kind of it's, it's, you know, we say easily, and I guess what you mean by that is quickly, because that is so ingrained in the way we think. And I remember at school we had... um, a debating group debating society and I liked the idea I remember liking the idea but I also remembering I, I also remember kind of arguing things that necessarily I didn't necessarily agree with or that I was uncomfortable with. Kind of a bit of you know it's interesting these sort of experiments there's a few things that I have done in my life where I've done it consciously, but I did it kind of before I was or I had the understanding of how to support myself through the other side. But in the debating kind of setup, you know, I remember doing that thing and then actually it's very difficult because when people I and maybe it was partly because I was Arguing, if you like, something that I didn't fully believe in. But when people respond negatively to you or in a way that's not the way you're used to people responding to you, that kind of starts you off questioning yourself at at a deeper level. there was one time that was really clear on that and I'll share because so I used to do a lot of of speech and drama at school I loved it I absolutely loved it if I had had the understanding to and the the tenacity to be an actress that's exactly what I would have done that was my you know when you grow up that's what you want to be um and so quite often I would do you know whether it was assemblies or plays or whatever it was that we were doing? So I would stand up and do things, and then um, we would have competitions on a yearly basis, whereby we would do whether it was a music competition or whether it was a, a speech competition, and we would do these things and all gain points for our respective houses. And then there was one year, and and I won the competition. Um, you know, so. I therefore, as the winner of the competition, I got to stand up in the assembly and read something to the whole school, the whole of the upper school. And I remember consciously deciding to experiment. And so instead of reading this, that i chosen, this piece that I had chosen, which I loved and it was fun, instead of reading it in the way that I normally would have done, which would have been confident and in a way that was really bringing the words to life for the people who were listening to it, really kind of come along with the story i chose and it was a conscious decision i chose to make myself really nervous and to see what would happen as a result it was so so interesting it took days for people to respond to me the way that they had done before the piece. And that's teachers and that's kids. You could feel the energy change. And unfortunately, I mean, I must have been 16, 17 at the time, um, and I didn't understand that what to do with the results of this experiment. So truthfully, I pulled the rug out from under my own feet, totally removed any confidence I had in my ability to share something in a way that was enhancing for people around it. And that lasted for years, years. I mean, so you're 30, saying you've 40. taken,
0: you've taken, you took the rug from under yourself and you never put it back under you.
1: Exactly. I mean, I have now. Right. But I, I did not realize how deep the impact of what I'd done was.
0: Right. So you did it as an experiment. Mm
1: hmm. Never thought about the other side of the experiment. And Never.
0: Didn't, didn't say, well, if I got myself this way, I can do the same. I can use the same process to bring myself back to the.
1: Conference. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Took decades to to get that back.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then that's the whole. You know, it's easy, but the, as Patton says, General Patton. He said he was talking about war. He said war is um, simple, but the simplest things can be difficult. And, um, and it's this, it's actually simple, change is actually very simple. Um, but that doesn't mean it's that hard is, but it's very simple. <laughs> it's not, yeah. Yeah, it's a very simple, it's a very simple thing. And I think once you wake up to the fact that you have this kind of control, um, I mean, you can be as powerful as you want, but you, you almost have to not almost, you have to stay vigilant. Because you're bombarded with it. even just saying that statement you can be as powerful as you want to just think of people listening to this um or maybe even yourself that just just the statement of being powerful you know has all kind of connotations to it or oh, i don't want to be powerful or can i be powerful or you know and it's just a word but all the associations with that power um and people that seek power are considered you know maybe not so humanistic and, um, and more selfish. Um, and yeah, and that's just, you know, that's one word, isn't it? You know, power. Mm. Uh, I think we talked in the, one of the episodes about personal power, which is what this whole warriorship stuff was about, with Carlos Castaneda and that ilk of people, um, and about reclaiming your personal power, which is shedding your Habits of thought, habits of perception, habits of feeling, habits of being, and that how much power you tie up into these habits. And one of the challenges in that framework is to um, release yourself from the bindings of those habits so that you can increase, want to regain your personal power, so that you can then focus on gaining more personal power by continuing to push the boundaries of your known and unknown you know so that whole sort of construct is that you've always got to be going into the unknown so that mm. you can continue to expand your known um, but you can't do that if you don't have enough personal power or as like what you've kind of described and experienced you went on the other side but you didn't know how to get yourself back
1: and so you got stuck,
0: which is mm. you know you think back to our hero's journey
1: absolutely uh, yeah, episode
0: yeah. is the same. You go on a hero's journey, but not all heroes make it back, and part of the quest is that you've you know you get the elixir, but you've got to make it back um so yeah, um yeah, now it's it's and I say you have to be vigilant because even knowing this and being aware of it, it's so easy. Um, to give in to it and to take your foot off the pedal and just go into autopilot.
1: Mm. Um, Well, exactly. And I I think the thing is that we should also be clear that not everybody does want to kind of become conscious about their unconsciousness, as it were. Now, why they don't, you know, is, is obviously a whole other chunk of conversation.
0: But. So you're saying that they know that they can, but they don't do it, or you're saying mm. that they're not aware that they can, nor do they buy into the idea that you can do it in the first place, because there's no scientific uh. evidence for it. So why, why would I? Because I believe in science, and I haven't seen any scientific evidence for this. So why even waste time, energy, or thought on pursuing that? Which you know, again, you've you level some of the things out the self-help industry Uh, most of it's pseudoscience or pop psychology Um, that's not necessarily grounded in a whole lot of um, science but then that means you put a lot of faith in science and science is is just another methodology, do mm.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? But, so but of course, but we like science because because it's proven because but that's what it's we've clear been taught. because we have I mean, results. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what
0: we've been taught that, that's that science is the way and that, that's reason is the way. Um, but if you go back to, you know, Socrates and Plato and those guys, they realize that, you know, well, while reason is uh, a good way to you know, move through the world. Actually, it's the emotional side that's the dangerous because you don't apply reason, and um, but you get results. And so mm-hmm. that's why you know countries take out their poets and novelists when they want when they really want to control or um, subjugate a population. You get rid of your poets and your novelists and your playwrights and. Um, folks because they can move people more than logic can because they hit at the emotional bit so you you put them in the gulag that the russians did with theirs um, and you isolate them a lot of the criticisms to the you know the artistic community in world war ii is that they in germany is that they abdicated their responsibility as some would say some purists would say they don't have any responsibility to society but those who understand the power that you know works of fiction and art have say that they do have a responsibility and they didn't stand up um teachers didn't stand up um and so it, it allowed that series of events to happen because the the historical population who would have been the voice to create dissent um abdicated didn't do it um, so yeah so there's power on the other side of that thing um as well that you know again uh, if you're not aware of these things they have lots of influence over you and this and i guess the theme of this thing is you know your self knowledge is mm-hmm. is is the key to this whole thing self knowledge and Uh, self-awareness and understanding that and but doing it for your seeking out your self-knowledge for yourself not to go and get it from a teacher or guru or anybody else but most people don't want to do that work so that yeah they don't want to do the work so they have people like so well, we have podcasts and we try and do the work for them. But yeah. then again, all we're doing is giving a viewpoint, aren't we? Um, well, but, exactly. Like, so and hopefully inspire people to go and look and find out their own answers um for themselves. We just kind of have the conversation to get to get the conversation started. Um, but the whole idea, and I think the whole idea behind the wisdom experience is to do that for people to do exactly that. If we start the fire, <laughs> you know, they, you know, the individual can continue to fuel that fire and find out things for themselves. And, uh, but I know everybody's busy. Nobody has time to work on their own self knowledge. And so, because we don't have time and we don't do, the people who understand that the majority of people don't, if you remember that chart I showed you last week, then you're able to be manipulated in control even though you'll say i'm too smart to be (laughs) manipulated um but are you really
1: Mm. well that's it isn't it i mean you know like we've talked about before you only have to hop on to your social media feed and you're fed things that reinforce your view and you know if you've been onto amazon you'll be shown things to buy and yeah, I mean, this is the thing. You can see that you're manipulated, um, and it is. Well, if just you want to make it positive, you if you're
0: influence in. manipulated is negative, isn't it? But it is manipulation. Whether you call it influence it, yeah, or manipulation, it is. isn't it? Exactly, <laughs>
1: exactly. So, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think we we can all sort of look back and and think actually, this is where I've just given in to something. So whether it's something online or if you think about it you know conversations in your own household you know if you've got somebody who's particularly let's say vociferous in their point of view or in their speech or in their you know their whatever eventually as a tired parent you kind of go yeah okay whatever because you don't have the energy to 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 say really this is this is a no or to find a way to have the conversation so that you can both have your point of view and feel comfortable with having conflicting points of view. And that's something that I think is missing from education and and kind of goes back to debating that I mentioned earlier.
0: Well, you know, as I was reading about this morning, they had this very conversation about sort of politics. And politics is basically, again, if you think about your... This is, well, right to our conversation, reality, right the dream was this reality dream you're creating. But then you've got to convince other people to buy into your version of the dream. Mm-hmm. And the more people that you can convince, bring to your version of the dream, the more you have an opportunity to shape reality around you that makes you feel comfortable. So that I get more people who believe in this way. and um, We can give power and voice to that. That viewpoint or that dream uh, and then that's all you know think you're, you know the political array it's like yeah okay this is what i believe the future the dream how a country should be run now i need to convince enough other people and then you know we can start to do something uh, someone pointed out you know um in the U.S., for instance, you know, you get, and it's probably maybe similar here, you, you know, the two major parties are essentially Republicans and the Democrats, and, you know, you've got dotted around some independents, but there's always a view that independents take away a vote, mm-hmm. as in if you vote for this independent, then because it's going to be a Democrat or a Republican that wins, you just wasted a vote. Basically, mm. but the, our system is kind of set up that way, the two party system. But the founding fathers knew they said that two party system would be the death of us. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of working itself for very prophetic, prophetic um, mm. in that sort of sense. But yeah, so back, I mean, just the idea that, you know, you have a belief system that you've created, however you've created it, whether it was given to you or you morphed it, however you came across it. But to give, and I think you may have mentioned just a little bit earlier, to give yourself comfort and give yourself validity. You look for evidence uh, and you try to recruit other people to your side who believe similarly so that it can validate that, you know, you have the right set of beliefs. And we mm-hmm. talked about existentialism last week where this idea of, um, again, the validation of a belief, um, is something that you know again people strive to have or to create, um. Yeah, and, and, and I don't know if that's just human nature that we do this just out of the
1: human nature.
0: Uh, well, it would make sense
1: that it's just human nature, actually, because you think about things that again we've talked about in earlier episodes. You know, it's there's there's that safety in numbers. You know, if we're part of a tribe, then. Uh, we're protected. We're secure. We've, you know, we're we're more likely to to look after each other, and um, you know, and, and kind of ward off attacks, as it were. So I would guess it probably is. You know, yeah, that's but kind is of that a learned behavior or that. is that
0: human nature? Is or it, you know, only I mean, we we learned that, and then then it was perpetuated. As in, you know, okay, look, if you hang out with me, then we can be strong. Okay, if you hang out mm. with the four of us, then we can be strong. But you got to play by these rules. And actually, the thing about who was it, Machiavelli, you know, a- absolute power corrupts absolutely. You know, once you get a taste for power, do you want to give it up? Who wants to, nobody wants to give up their power, do they?
1: So yeah, yeah. if
0: if this system helped us, you know, to defeat this saber-toothed tiger, now I'm going to convince you that it's better for all f- of us to stay together because that means we can fight off the next saber-toothed tiger. But if you want to be a part of this group and be safe, so here's me tugging at your, so the human bit is it that we have these emotions and feelings that can be manipulated. So I'm manipulating your need for security by telling you that we need to band together and live like this because the next tiger might come um, and you want to be safe, don't you? So I'm manipulating your need for security by telling you we need to live this way. Um, and so maybe the maybe Maslow then would be the guy because he identified <laughs> our basic needs, isn't it? And understanding mm. that triangle and understand how people manipulate you up and down that triangle. So, Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I want to be safe. Okay, well, if you're telling me to be safe that I need to do this, I can give up some of my freedom for safety. we play that card all the time you see that played out on politics now with privacy now i give up my right to privacy because it'll make us me safer but does it really or is that just a line you you know we're being sold that you'll be safer and giving up this privacy and so i don't i don't i think it's and, it, and maybe it's a cynical view, perhaps, I don't know, but it seems like a, a realist point of view, you know, when you kind of wake up to this and think, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of people with interests, and there's a lot of people are interested in controlling what you buy, what you believe in, um, how you pray, who you pray to, Um you know and they have vested interest in it and so you know if you don't want to do the work if you prefer to be you know maybe lazy and cuz it's just easier um then you kind of go along with the herd uh, i think it's 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 hard work it's like um lord of the rings and it goes to be a ring bearer is to be alone um and Nietzsche and Sartre um and a couple of other folks was there was this Kierkegaard I think it was as well this idea that you know to be a true philosopher is to be alone because you're going to go against the herd thinking and and it's hard to be alone <laughs> mm. uh, can you take it can you take being alone and being a lone wolf.
1: Great question. Well, obviously, yes, you you like to be a lone wolf. I mostly like to be alone. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a lone wolf, but I do like being alone. Um but then every now and again I'll kind of be back in into a group or society and kind of and I hear myself kind of almost run away with the excitement of talking to other people. And then I kind of go, well, is it, is it the excitement of talking to other people or is it just that I don't know how to interact anymore because I've, I've kind of tucked myself away for so long. And then and this is, this kind of comes back to, you know, we get ourselves into things, but can we get ourselves out of them? And so, you know, actually, I think. How do you if,
0: get yourself out of stuff? I'm curious to know, cause I'm, I often want to just like, if I could just stop time, like make everything just stop, stop time so that I can reset everything. because because I can't stop time you're always in time
1: mm-hmm. and so you
0: want to change something but you are still playing out the reality that you've already created so you you keep reinforcing the very things that you want to change because those forces are already in motion and it's like if if I could just freeze the time move the things around that need to be moved around and then start back up, then I could go. But it becomes m- more difficult if you're having to, you know, be in living with the cho- choices that you've made. So we're the sum total of the choices that we've made, um, which could be a disc- topic for another whole discussion about whether mm-hmm. life is driven by cause and effect. And, but if we're talking here about sort of reality and do we create our reality our reality is created by the choices that we've made. So the sum total of our, the choices we made has created our present reality. Um, and if you really kind of, if you just, you know, stop drew a line right now and then look backwards at all the choices that you made from the simplest to the more complex, uh, any, I mean, choices, are quite weird in the sense that even the it's the little choices like the very simple did I go left or do I go right that have profound implications and I don't know if I told this story on the podcast already when I was thinking about you know you know the small decisions that I made led to me meeting my wife and being here in England from just a tiny in fact the tiniest decision and I can tell you the exact Tiny decision. One of them was whether to check my lunch before lunch, or my mail before lunch, or after lunch. That little decision. This was at West Point. That was it. It was because our mail room was in the basement. All our we had little PO boxes because it was a uh, West Point's. You know, pretty much it's all military. Um, and so, underneath the lunch room is a basement where the mail room is, and you have your individual box. Um, and I was. Finished lunch and was like, did I wanted to go change and then check my mail, or just check my mail en route to going to back to my room. I chose to go check my mail, and you think you're looking at me, and you're like, oh, how is something I'm that curious. small um, make a difference? Well, I decided to check my mail, and then there was a girl that was who had a mailbox right next to me, and I started talking to this girl and long story short, and I can tell you the whole version at some other point in time, um, you know, me and her end up sort of dating, but I also end up getting suspended from West Point because of this girl. I never uh, knew yeah. this. And so that mean, meant I graduated in 92, not in 91. If I graduated in 91, never would have Ruth, and our path would have never crossed if I had graduated with my original class.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If I had checked my mail bef- uh, you know, after, after lunch. lunch, then I'll, chances are, considering the mailbox and her mailbox has been next to my mailbox for ages, that that set of circumstances uh, would not have happened. And mm-hmm. so we always think it's big decisions, but it's so st- really tiny, inconsequential choices that we make that have profound impact.
1: Well, that to me kind of brings it all the way back to, so actually do we create our own reality or is it all kind of preordained and predestined? Oh, so are
0: you you saying that I didn't have a choice but to check? Maybe I didn't have a choice but to check my mail when I checked it because Destiny was saying that I had to... So you so but that's the question. Do I, so that, I mean, that would be, you know, again, we could have a whole discussion on free will. Mm, so which, so I ha- yes, if, because, In that instance, I'm, if I don't have free will, you're right. Then I didn't have a choice.
1: Except that it may not be. And so definitely yeah, let's do something right on free will, because it may not be about whether you checked it before lunch or after lunch. That was just the time when that little bit of the kind of the piece of the puzzle kind of clicked into place or kicked off a series of, of events. But had that not happened, then something else would have happened. So that actually you would have met Ruth. And and I say that, and I have a very similar story, which I won't share yeah. now, but how you know Nick and I, my husband, you know, we got well, together. So we could um, so we do interesting. That,
0: we did. We could mm-hmm. do a free will one on that. Yeah. But just thinking, yeah. Good. So you're right. You know, I mean, if you So if we're going back to the reality, you know, do we create our... So if you have a belief system that says that, you know, that the forces of the universe um, will align to make happen what needs to happen, then yeah, so if I didn't meet this girl then, perhaps the universe would have lined the chess pieces up so I met her at another point or would have figured out another way. And but then again, then that takes agency away from us. And I have no agency. Um, so mm-hmm. basically, I can abdicate anything that's happening to me now. It's not my fault, which is an argument for, um, you know, the you know, against the death penalty and things like that. They use this, this you know, that we don't have free will and everything is cause and effect. So, what you're saying, if I believe that, then, in essence, I can stop worrying about everything because you know, well you know this my fate is my fate there's nothing that I Mm. can do about it and so I'm here sitting here having this conversation with you through no real choice of my own
1: yeah and I guess uh, what I would say to all of that is kind of it's the well it'd be great to stop worrying about anything never mind everything Um, but just because what I say just because because obviously we don't know but you know if We assume that there is no such thing as as free will. Um, It still doesn't take away your responsibility. You still have to make a conscious choice as a human being is this an appropriate thing to do? And by that, I mean you would need to decide what are my morals? What is okay here? What isn't okay here? You know, we can all. choose to say something hurtful we can all choose yeah i think that think just makes us say. feel
0: good but you can't have Maybe. you can't have free no free will but
1: so that's about cre- creating your own reality so i yeah. want to feel good you know therefore but if
0: you never had a choice uh, so if it's predestined if it's ordained if that's your destiny Then you've got no saying that. But I think that
1: there's levels. I think there's levels. I know we're coming up to the hour. There's levels.
0: Yeah, there's always levels. There's always levels. They try and talk that we're out of the levels, but I I don't, which is the same conversation I've had in debates around, you know, again, if you believe in God, is God all knowing and all powerful, or is he just all powerful? If he's all knowing, then he already knows what you're going to decide. Hence, you're not ever really making a true decision because God already knows what you're going to decide.
1: But this then also comes back to, is time a linear construct or actually is everything happening all at once in the blink of an eye?
0: Or that time doesn't exist.
1: Well, exactly.
0: Because yeah, you're right. This time is a, you use the right word, it's a construct that was something we created to measure time or to measure change. But time itself doesn't actually Exist,
1: And I think this also comes back down to what I was touching on earlier, which is if you assume that everything is is preordained and if you assume that you're not actually creating your own reality and that everything is already kind of done, then you get to the the point of, of what's the point and might as well do nothing. But you won't have a choice.
0: That's the problem. You're right. You might as well not do nothing. But because ah, but
1: how do you know that that's not that'll be part of the preordained thing that path that oh, that you do nothing exactly. And then at which point you sink into depression, uh, or or, you know, and and you kind of go, well, it's pointless. It's pointless living, and And, that's that's not healthy.
0: Well, it's healthy because that's your fate. Then, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) if that's your fate, that's your fate. Why fight it? Go for it. Be depressed. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's, um, but I, and we can talk about this later. I know we're running out of time because I like in that because I'm, I'm kind of, you know, in this space of looking at that like a, a boat. And this is kind of the same as your levels analogy. So on a boat that's on a, a river, you have no choice where the boat's going, it's going down river. But yeah. you have choice about where to go stand on the boat, you can move around. The boat, but you're going in the direction of the boat. But your free will is within the confines of the boat. But where you ultimately get to is not under your control. Um,
1: That's a great analogy. I like that.
0: Yeah, but it's a cop out. It is. Is uh, Well, it is a cop out.
1: everything?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely a cop out because it's either there is a destiny or there isn't one. No, because
1: i think this links with like we were talking about the hero's journey and you can have several hero's journeys in a day but at the same time that you're also part of of your personal hero's journey that's going on that week that month that year your whole life Mm. you know there's all these kind of i I almost see them as cobs, um kind of in a massive timepiece actually i suppose (laughs) just because i do think they are beautiful when they all move around and and that is you know, your life is is all these cogs of the hero's journey. So,
0: But are, are there like separate ones that you can choose from? So if you make this choice, then that one happens. If you make this choice, but they're already, all of them are already in existence. Well, I think
1: that's for you to experience and find out.
0: Because Nietzsche has this thing about, he called it um, uh, reoccurrence, eternal reoccurrence. So he said if time is infinite then you are just purely mathematically you're going to relive this life again and so he's saying that you know always live your best self because do you want to be repeating this for the rest of your life um so yeah so if you're going on on that that time is eternal then we're going to have this conversation eventually again um at some point so
1: that's really interesting
0: movement of time.
1: Well, yeah. Okay. okay.
0: So I think from t- in terms of creating your own reality, I think we create our own reality purely on the basis that um, we're individuals with that comes with a set of perceptions, beliefs, experiences, and it's through the lens of those things that we see the reality around us as in um, the system that you're in. We all see the system differently, so people listening to this podcast, although they're hearing the same words, they're gonna everyone will have a totally different experience.
1: And I can never
0: know what your experience is like because I can never be you and all the things that are going on in that crazy brain of yours. So it'd be interesting. I would love to like jump inside of your mind and like see the world through your eyes that would be an interesting concept for me to like to really know what's going like I'm looking at you on the screen now and I'm thinking what's going on really in your head I know you're hearing words and you're looking and stuff but what's really happening inside your head Um, and how when you look out at the world what are you actually seeing and experiencing and feeling
1: Mm, mm, mm. that would be interesting and nicely brings us to the end of this episode so yeah i hope that that has been another interesting conversation for you to roll along with and maybe trigger some thoughts and as clay said earlier the idea behind the wisdom experience podcast is that you you know you take what you hear and and you question it you know, and you question it and you go and you do your own research and your own experimentation safely. Make sure you can get yourself out of it. And if not, <laughs> call one of us. Um
0: don't do it safely, and, yeah. just go recklessly. <laughs> what well, what well, you, well, you take All out right. well there's no well, there's no adventure no, if you listen, point. yeah. It's if you do point. it, yeah, you, yeah. Well, there, where's the adventure in that? That's what adventure is about. It's about risk, man. You just go. Well,
1: exactly go have an adventure inside yeah, your own mind
0: <laughs> but part of your training and part of your warrior training is to know what to do when you don't know what to do oh nice
1: nice so go but there's still no guarantee that you'll make inside it back. your own world <laughs> all right and yeah and yeah like share and subscribe and get in touch if you fancy a uh, more personalized conversation
0: your water shed.